Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, February the 18th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we are talking to Cynthia Sassy with an I. But before we jump into that, real quick reminder, our 30 for 30 challenge is kicking off here in 15 days and nine hours and counting down. So if you guys are looking to do something a little bit different as we head into kind of the spring summertime, this would be for you. It's 100% done online. You guys just need a set of dumbbells. A bench would be helpful, but just a little bit of willpower and you guys can crush it with us. It's 30 days, 30 minutes each day. Nothing super crazy. If you're a beginner, this will be a challenge. If you're intermediate, this is going to push you guys. And if you're advanced and you really want to kind of test yourself, this is the program for you. Uh, if you have any questions, obviously shoot us a DM, a message us anywhere. It's fine. The site is jeremyscottfitness.com slash 30-30-challenge. I'm happy to throw you guys a little podcast discount code if you feel it's for you. The link is living in our Instagram bio right now, and it'll be coming out on the newsletter probably every day from the 28th on. So if you got any questions, hit us up. Otherwise, check out the site, jeremyscottfitness.com slash 30-30-challenge. And you guys already know we are brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. It's the one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you are somebody who struggles to eat enough vegetables, even I am guilty of that at times, this would be the one thing I would take and throw into my life. If you're tired of taking 14 different pills and you have a crappy multivitamin, you can throw those away and just take a simple pack or a scoop of Athletic Greens and you guys are good to go. Right now, if you want to check it out, we'll throw in a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. The site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. If you have heard me talk about this, let's say 50 times, or maybe this is the first podcast you guys have listened to, message us wherever you can on the website, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, throw something in a bottle, throw it down the river, we'll grab it, and we'll find your address, and we will send you a free pack 100% on us. So you can try it first, see that it's the best tasting greens on the planet, and then get hooked up with all the free stuff from there. Is anybody else doing that? No, but we care about you guys, so I'm happy to make it happen. Again, if you want to check it out today, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott, or message us for a free sample, and we'll get it to you as soon as possible. Always a mouthful. So with that said, we have Cynthia Sassy in the house today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So uh, for these guys listening, let's, uh, let's do the, the origin story. Who, uh, who you are, where you're from, how do we get here as far, uh, as far back as you want to go? <laughs> well, um, I'm originally from Wisconsin, um, but have been here in Arizona basically since I was a kid. So I feel like for most people, um, you're kind of an Arizona native if you've been here since you were a kid because we have so many transplants around here. Um, but yeah, I went to uh, elementary school and high school here. And then I went to the great Arizona State University <laughs> and got a business degree there. Um, can't say I've used a stitch of anything that I learned at, at ASU, unfortunately. <laughs> but you went, though. But I went, and I finished. Um, so I think that in itself is an accomplishment to, you know, complete uh, a degree. And, yeah, and then so from there, I got an internship with a online publishing company and doing digital marketing for them. And not to date myself, but this was back in 2007 when Instagram didn't exist and Facebook was still just college kids. And, um, you know, the whole internet 
online marketing thing was not really a thing yet. And so I really got lucky and, and got in my, my foot in the door very early on when this was not really as popular, I guess, as it as it is now. So, and that was like your, is that like a real job at that point? So that was an internship, um, actually for class credit, my senior year. Um, and I, you know, just kind of on a whim took the the job cause it was like, I got class credit and I got a whole $10 an hour <laughs> for the job. For sure. So I was like, sweet, I get paid and class credit. Um, so I really just took it for the class credit to, you know, get that knocked off the list. And then, um, learned all about online marketing and kind of fell in love with it. So um, from there, they, that company actually hired me when I graduated and I stayed there for another year after I graduated. And that's, uh, what would you do back then? You're talking like this is 07, 08 kind of time frame? Yeah. So this was when banner ads were still really popular. So the company I was working for was an online magazine. So they put out, I mean, kind of think like a uh, Cosmo or Glamour or some kind of women's magazine. Um, you know, we put out that kind of content. So, um, you know, we would run banner ads against that content and that's how the company made money was, you know, people, you know, clicking on banner ads and that sort of thing. Um, so my role at the time was a lot of newsletters for email marketing and, you know, kind of helping, um, figure out the ad placements and what, what types of ads would run well and perform well and, and those kinds of things. And then also looking at which kind of content was really driving traffic. Um, so I think for me, I loved digital because I love consumer behavior and like kind of the psychology aspect of it. And so kind of being able to see like which articles people are reading and which ads they're clicking on was really fascinating to me. So I was like, oh, people are really liking that. Let's do more of that. So um, so it kind of fulfilled that like, you know, psychology aspect that I have kind of a passion for. And even back then for the people who, if you're younger and you're listening, the banner ads are at the top of the page typically or on the side, yeah. if you will. And now I don't ever see those. They're not, not too many people run those anymore. Um, that was the thing. I, well, cause people to kind of just tune them out at this point, you know, it's like everyone's just used to them being there. I mean, they still run on most websites and, and everything. And it's kind of more of just a brand awareness thing. Um, but yeah, it's not, not like it used to be. I mean, that was our bread and butter back then. And, and it was a really, really big thing back then. And so you work for those guys kind of learning the ins and outs you're tracking even back then, like analytics of, Oh yeah. Here's the click rates, the open rates, mm -hmm. you know, which is what I loved as opposed to like maybe like a magazine or TV. Like you didn't have all those analytics that you get in real time on digital. So like I said, that was really fascinating to me to be able to get to dig into the analytics and really see like what people were doing. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was definitely a, you know, all that stuff was still there. Well, it's weird because we used to, if you go even back, probably a little bit further where it would be billboards, not that they still don't exist, but how do you track right. a billboard? Someone sits up top there and just has a clicker for how many cars go by, but how many of the cars actually look up and see yep. it? So you don't know. <laughs> if you're, yeah, if you're a business and I'm going to invest, like, well, how do I know what the ROI is? Mm -hmm. Which makes no sense to me. That's my one argument for anybody who calls us to say, hey, we can help you do this. I'm like, well, if I can't see it in real time, mm -hmm. because now if you go and you want to run ads on Facebook or Instagram you essentially can break down your demo pretty close to the avatar down to the person. And we can see like who clicks, who opens, who converts. So it's in that regard, it's pretty sweet how far it's come. So you did that for a year. So I worked with them for about a year and a half. Then they got bought out um, and the company got much larger. So what I really loved about that company when I first started there was 
we were a team of maybe seven or eight people. So I got to sit in the owner's office and listen to all of his phone calls. They taught me how to read contracts. And um, I learned literally every aspect of the business. So even though I was technically quote unquote marketing, um, I was learning HTML, I was learning contracts, I was learning, you know, all, all the different pieces of the business, um, which was really cool. And I think helped groom me to be able to be an entrepreneur because I, you know, got to learn all of the pieces. And so once that's done, you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own or is there a transition period? So there's a couple of other transition periods. I actually then went to a local magazine and kind of helped them make that transition to digital Um, because this was back in, you know, 2008, 2009 when, um, you know, prints, that was when the economy really took a hit, print was hurting, Um, people weren't spending, you know, thousands of dollars on full page print ads at that point. The world's melting. Yes. (laughs) So, um, you know, digital was a much more affordable option for people um, because you, you know, there's so much little, so little overhead um, involved as opposed to like printing a magazine. So um, I kind of came in and helped them make that transition into online, was there for a couple years and then um, realized, hey, I I could be doing this for myself. So um, that's when I started Fabulous Arizona. Kind of took all the knowledge that I got from working for the national online magazine, but, um, I really had a passion for helping the local business owners that I, you know, got to see all of that working for the local magazine. So I kind of married pieces of the two together to create Fabulous Arizona. And so for people listening, what is Fabulous Arizona or the the brand itself, or if you want to kind of explain what you do, because it's, it's, it's complex. It is. It's a, it's a, a bit much. <laughs> you're, not, you're an entrepreneur. That's, that's how it goes. Yeah, right. Um, so Fabulous Arizona is an online magazine. So um, it's lifestyle. We cover, you know, pretty much everything from beauty to fashion to restaurants to people to charities. I mean, we really kind of cover it all. So if you were, um, you know, whether you're a local or you're visiting as a tourist, um, you know, we really can be a resource to find the, you know, most fabulous, if you will, things to do and places to go. Like restaurants, bars, yeah, pretty much anything. Yeah. So we have like a restaurant of the week features. We feature a different restaurant every week. Um, you know, and again, everything has to be, you know, we have a certain standard of it has to be fabulous in some capacity. Um, you know, whether that just be in uniqueness or, you know, it's very high end. Like, I mean, you know, fabulous can be defined in a number of different ways. Um, but, you know, there's always something special about the places that we feature. And do you have a favorite restaurant here? Um, that's a tough or like question. or like or like a couple, like one or two. Yeah, I mean your favorites. Maple and Ash is probably one of my favorites. I've never been. Yeah, well, they're from originally from Chicago. I actually worked for a company in Chicago for years, and I absolutely, hands down, one of my favorite cities is downtown Chicago. Um, and so when you walk into Maple and Ash because they're originally from Chicago, you feel like you're in Chicago when you go in there. So I love like kind of that the vibe of that you know Chicago feel of of Maple and Ash. So. I've had heard people talk about it for sure. It's, it's like a steakhouse kind of. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it's very memorable. They make sure that like, you know, you go there for a special occasion. I mean, they have menus and you can put, you know, happy birthday um, and your name and everything on it. So they can like, they print the menus at the restaurant. So like if you're celebrating something, it's really a cool, memorable experience. That's cool. Uh, and you do that for not just like Scottsdale here. This is like for multiple cities. You guys do this? So we started, I started Arizona over a decade ago already, which is crazy. It's been that long. Um, but it was just about two or three years ago that I started expanding to other states. Um, I knew I always wanted it to be something more than just fabulous Arizona, um, but I didn't know what that was going to look like. And so I was like, you know what, let's see if we can like 
since I have Arizona, I felt like I had to like, okay, for consistency purposes, we're going to do states instead of cities. So I was like, okay, let's um, see if this concept works somewhere else or if it's just working here because of my contacts here and, and, you know, I live here or if this is actually something that could do well somewhere else. And so about two and a half years ago, launched Fabulous Wisconsin, which everyone's like, why on earth Wisconsin? <laughs> I mean, of all the places. I know. It's... Well, one, it's not anywhere near here, so it's it's far. And also, it's Wisconsin. There's not a whole lot going on there. Um, so, But I'm from there. So it was something where I could go and it, like all my aunts, uncles, and cousins still live up there. So I was able to just throw my pups in the car, pack a, a suitcase worth of clothes for a month, and just drive up and stay for a month in Wisconsin to kind of like launch it and see like what the response was. Um, within a week of me getting there, the website had been live for literally a week, no traffic. We have like 300 followers on Instagram and, um, hotels are offering to like, you know, host me restaurants or like come in and, you know, check out our restaurant and, you know, share about us. I've got people reaching out to me to write for me, like within the first week of launching this, this website. So I was like, okay, this is, I've got something here. Like this is, this is working. Um, so, you know, obviously I was able to use fabulous Arizona as kind of the like, Hey, this is who we are and what we want to build here in Wisconsin. So, the success of Arizona was obviously great to to use as a selling tool to get people to buy into what we were doing with Fabulous Wisconsin. That's actually pretty cool, but it has to be so different. And this is no offense to anybody here. Um, Arizona and like Wisconsin are not the same. Yes. And that's been really interesting as we've launched these other states is, you know, the huge differences that we're seeing, um, you know, even especially through COVID, that was really interesting, the different, um, you know, restrictions and how some places took it way more seriously than others. Um, We've got Washington and California, two very, very liberal, you know, states that, uh, you know, with mask mandates and restaurants closing. I mean, that was something that we had to be on top of and aware of because we can't sit here and promote places that aren't open. Um, so, you know, we, these are, it was very interesting trying to keep up with the, the differences of all the different states. And like city by city too, it's so, because I think most people think like California, like, hey man, it's Los Angeles, it's San Diego. Those are, I mean, they're huge populations. But when you get outside of that, California mm-hmm. is like more like Kentucky than yeah. it is like <laughs> Los Angeles. It just is. And yeah. Arizona is the same way. Like Scottsdale, I always tell, like I live here, but I don't live here is what I always say. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here but I live in my own little world. Like I don't live in the ecosystem like some people do. And that's mm-hmm. not a knock against anything. It's just, I'm from the Midwest. I'm just a very basic dude, like hanging out at Tocamadera like every day is just not my thing. <laughs> when yeah. you get out of Scottsdale and you go to Payson, Pine Top, like it's way more like where I grew up yep. than this is. And I'm, it's just, a, I'm sure it's cool for you to kind of see and you learn like each kind of states or cities little idiosyncrasies, I guess, if you will. Absolutely. So example, Wisconsin. So we have contributors in each state um, because obviously we need people that have boots on the ground that know what's going on there. We have a contributor in Madison and we have a contributor in Milwaukee. Those two cities are an hour and a half apart. Couldn't be more different. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just totally different. So it's, those are the kinds of things that it's, it helps that we have these contributors in each, you know, these different cities and different states to help give us a better feel and idea of what's going on in these places. It's crazy that you say that because I shared this. I, I don't know who posted the other day. It's the 20 drunkest cities in America. <laughs> and I shared it on my Instagram story. And I'm not shitting you. Over half of these are Wisconsin. Oh, that does not surprise me. Appleton's one. Which, of course, Green Bay. Yeah. Apple River, like I get it. Yeah. Um, Oshkosh is two. Green Bay is three. Madison's four. 
Fargo, North Dakota is five. La Crosse, Wisconsin is six. Fond du Lac is seven. Ames, <laughs> Iowa is nine. Eau Claire, Wisconsin is ten. Mankato, Minnesota, and then Wausau, Wisconsin, Sheboygan, Missoula, Montana, Grand Forks, North Dakota, Racine, Wisconsin, Janesville, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, Iowa City, and Corvallis, Oregon. That is wild. Isn't that nuts, dude? <laughs> like, uh, but I understand it. A, those tend to be colder places where the weather is less than... And it's like, what else are you going to do? You know? Um, and a lot of them, too, like college towns. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, if you're in Madison. Like yeah. State so Street. we have Iowa, too, actually, um, and which was kind of crazy because I launched Wisconsin and then I had two girls in two separate cities reach out to me within the same month asking me to do Fabulous Iowa. So I was like all right, I guess Iowa has a need for this. Um, but what's funny is, you know, in Iowa and Wisconsin, we have articles about like farms and beer, whereas like, you know, Washington and California is resorts and wine. <laughs> so it's just, it's a very, you know, very different. So how do you guys, how does the business model work for those? Like these restaurants and these places reach out to you guys? Do you feature them for nothing? Is there some kind of trade or like how does it all kind of come together? So we try to keep the editorial, um, you know, the integrity of the editorial not ad-based. Um, so I have an editor-in-chief and so she handles all the editorial and I kind of handle more of the sales side, which kind of keeps, you know, separation of church and state as I call it. Yeah. Um, so that way she can kind of make, you know, editorial decisions on what she wants to feature and it not be influenced on, you know, what we're doing on the advertising side so like if a place just sucks like it's the worst and they just want to pay you i mean unless you like really need the money you probably just you don't do it because it doesn't fit no. the brand it doesn't no. fit what you're trying to do yeah. and it it devalues it for everybody else well and our our followers and our readers would probably not be very trusting of our recommendations if we were to just take anybody's money so i have 100 percent turned down money time and time again, um, for people that I felt like weren't a fit or, um, I didn't, you know, necessarily believe in what they were doing or maybe ethically I wasn't, you know, on board with what they were doing. So we, we definitely, uh, you know, we'll take, I, I'm, I'm always about, I'll take the, the longer road than the, you know, the fast money road, <laughs> if that means building trust long-term. Well, cause if, if you do, then your word is, is kind of shit. It's yeah. when people like, let's say Instagram message us, Hey, what's your favorite, place to eat in Scottsdale I'm like always like well what kind of food is it dude because we have everything there's here. yeah that's a very broad question <laughs> so I'll be like they're like well it's the best pizza place and I'll give them a handful mm -hmm. and I obviously have had to be there myself otherwise I'm not going to recommend exactly. it yeah and again it's not what I do for my business but I'm like it's my work yeah, yeah. and I want it to be yep. shit yep so when did you know you could go out on your own and just and how did that we call it like the reluctant entrepreneur which is actually a great book if anybody's looking for something to quit their job and like jump into this sea of you know, this shit show of life that we all live in now here. But when did you know, like, you know what, I can maybe do this on my own? Did you know, like, hey, I had to have a certain amount of money saved up? Did I have to have a certain amount of revenue coming in? Or did you do kind of half and half where it's like, okay, I'll work for these guys, but I'll work on my own stuff? And how does that transition play out? So this transition played out uh, very poorly for me. <laughs> um, and so I, I, it's such a catch-22 because I feel like you can't make a full-time income working it part-time. So you're never, I, I feel like it's, there are instances where this may happen, but it's very rare. I think that you are able to side hustle something up into a full-time, you know, revenue, 
that you can then just quit your job. So, um, so I was getting to a point that I had this full-time position and then I was, you know, juggling the fabulous Arizona stuff on the side. And this was about six, seven years ago now. And it was getting to this point where it was really hard to do them both. And, you know, both were kind of suffering because I couldn't, you know, didn't, there just weren't enough hours in the day. Sure. And so, you know, I went to my, my, uh, boss at that time. And, you know, they knew that I was, you know, doing my own stuff on the side. And I was like, listen, this is kind of, you know, getting to a point that I think in the next few months, I'm going to have to, you know, just fully commit to what I'm doing, um, my own stuff. Um, but I had a lot of things going on at that company that I felt like, okay, you, I can help train whoever transition myself out. You know, I'm here to help you guys. Like let's, you know, two, three months, whatever you need to help, you know, get, get through this. Um, and at first they were like, okay, we understand. That's great. Um, they obviously went home and slept on it and came back the next day and basically was like, all right, so your last day is in next week. And so I basically had what I thought was like a two month notice turned into like a two day notice. (laughs) And, um, so yeah, it was kind of like, all right, now I've got to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills. And so for me, I mean, obviously it was not an ideal situation. I didn't have savings. I didn't have, you know, a whole lot to fall back on. Um, like how much, like how much money you got when your your last day of work? Do you remember? Um, I mean, my checks were, I mean, I wasn't making a great amount. So it was like, okay, that last check was like enough to maybe, you know, to pay my rent for that next month and my car payment. And that was about it. Like there was nothing extra. (laughs) You you have other debt at that point, like student loans or anything? Yes. Okay. So you quit your job. You have enough money for like a month Yeah. and you have a car payment and rent and student loans. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a great start. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So don't recommend this route at all by any means. Um, But at the same time, I also was like, I I don't know that I would have ever felt ready to go out on my own anyway. I would have kept being like, oh, well, I need a little more time because I had already been doing that for years. I mean, I'd been side hustling this for, you know, five, six years at that point. And so, um, you know, it it kind of was almost I needed to get a kick in the rear end because before it was like, okay, well, you know, I've got my bills paid. I'm fine. Like, I'll do what I can over here. But then it was like, oh, well, it's amazing what you can make happen when the only option is to sink or to swim. make it happen yeah. yeah so it's probably similar to i did the same thing i had one corporate job ever uh i remember i walked it was like the week before i gave my notice my boss is super cool he actually comes here a lot on saturdays and still works out and this is oh, i love that yeah forever ago and uh i spent a lot of the time just like you i would uh train people in the morning before work work and then do it at night and then spent honestly about half the day like building the website and stuff because I had no money to anybody else to mm-hmm. do it. So I'm doing that. And he was super cool, didn't give a shit as long as I got my job done. And I remember there was like the week before Thanksgiving, and this is 2009. Uh, I just like, I'm like, yep, this is it, man. And uh, I actually had no clients and uh, no money, really, and no resources at the time. I had like $5,000 maybe total. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. And I'm living with my wife, well, it was my girlfriend at the time, now she's my wife, in my one bedroom condo that I was able to buy because the market melted down. So I got in there cheap and uh, that was it. But I had no fucking clue what I was doing, mm-hmm. like zero. And I always tell people like, don't ever do that. Yeah. Because the first day I show up and like do our group training and I'll never forget the dude, it was 6 a.m. on a Monday. His name is Dan Stamos. He's a, re- a computer repair guy. He bought a homerun.com, which is like a Groupon back when that used to exist. And it was 19 bucks and I got 850 of that. And I had to train them for the whole fucking month at oh six in the morning <laughs> in the group. And it's just like, I'll come home and my wife's like, how many people were there today? And I'm like, like one. <laughs> on and a group on. <laughs> yeah. And she's just like, has to be like, this dude is such a fucking loser. But I mean, it worked out. Um, but like she's you stuck said, with you. I love it. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the sink or swim. Yeah. It's like, you know, I always thought about it and you're probably similar. Hey, if I suck at this, 
I can always go back to a similar yep. job and mm-hmm. who really cares. Yep. And what, how old are you at the time when you, when you finally are like, you know what, no corporate money, it's me against the world. Like what age is that for you? So I had actually set a goal for myself to be fully self-employed by the time I was 30. And this happened three weeks or no, uh, five weeks before my uh, 30th birthday. Oh, nice dude. So, yeah. So I was like, well, I was like the universe was, you know, just giving me a kick in the rear end to to reach that goal. And if you had to do it over again, like today, um, in the same scenario, you're not you today, you're this age, but you're, you're that person with no money and no resources in the environment that we're in now. Like, would you do the same thing? You mean like, would it be possible? Like, let's say you're working for that same company today mm-hmm. and you just quit and you walk out the door. Now, knowing like how mature the internet is, how everything is at this point, do you think it's like easier or harder? I think it's easier because back then I, there was still that huge learning curve. Like Instagram was still, I mean, a lot of businesses still weren't even on Instagram. This is back in 2015. Well, they're only, so. they're only photos and 15 second videos. Exactly. That's it, Like but, Instagram stories didn't exist yet. I mean, no. it was like, this was, you know, very, I mean. That could was, you even de- could you even message on Instagram? I don't think you could even message on Instagram yet at that point. So it was like most businesses didn't even have Instagram still. So it was like, not only was I trying to sell them my services, but I'm also then having to educate them on why they need this service. Whereas now it's like everybody wants it, needs it. Like they know they have to be on it. Um, so it was even ch- more challenging back then. You're because again, you have to be like an early, an early adopter mm-hmm. if you're willing to do it at that point. The difference now, I would say, for people is it's so mature, you it's know, more saturated. Yeah, yeah. like there's everything, like yeah. everybody does everything, mm-hmm. which it's a gift and a curse because you're a competing with the entire world, which sucks, but two, now you can actually basically get clients from the entire world, which is pretty cool too. Yeah, um, as you're going through it especially in the start when you're probably, I assume like myself making no, no money. Mm-hmm. Is there a time where you leave your corporate job, you start your business and you're like, yeah, I fucked up. Like I, I want to quit. You know, there wasn't a point that I was like, I fucked up, but I was at a, I mean, obviously I looked back and thought, gosh, I wish I would have been more fiscally responsible <laughs> in general in my life. Um, you know, like regretting, uh, you know, maybe buying things that I probably couldn't afford. Um, or, you know, gosh, I wish I would have bought a cheaper car. So my car payment's not so high, you know, stuff like that, that I'm just like, I wish I would have been smarter. Um, but at no point, and I think that that's why I've been able to persevere through all the tough times, um, to get to this point was at no point did I doubt that I could do this or where this could go. Um, my family, of course, was like, please go get a job. We're worried about you. For sure. um, and, you know, and especially that, you know, the older generation, they're like, you need health benefits and like a 401k. And so they were not a fan of, of me taking this route. Um, but, you know, even with all the doubt uh, of, you know, friends and family, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make it happen. So did like your family or anybody around you ever tell you like, this is dumb? Uh, yeah. To your face. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, I'll say this, like, uh, for all the things, like if my parents did or didn't do anything, like they never told me I was an idiot. And I know for a fact, like when I, when I'm talking to my old man and I'm like, Hey dude, I'm going to leave my corporate job and I'm going to do fitness for a living. I can promise you in his head, he's got to be like, this kid is a fucking idiot <laughs> because my grandpa forever would always be like, you know, he was a firefighter forever. And so obviously they have a pension, they have full benefits, mm-hmm. all the same things you're mentioning. He's like, you need to get a job with the pension. I'm like, grandpa, that shit doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. dude. And he's like, it has to have this and this. And it just wasn't for me. Uh, but nobody told me 
none of my close family. Now, people on the internet, like when you start a Facebook business page and it's you with no clothes on and you're like 26 years old, they're like, you're a dipshit, dude. And I've actually had, and this, I've shared this story before, people that I maybe grew up with in high school or college, you name it, who have now done our programs or, you know, listened to us talk like, Hey, when you first started this, we used to talk shit about you, like how ridiculous it was. And now like 15 years later, they're like, Hey, this is pretty cool yeah. that you could put it together. But it's hard, obviously up front and to your point of you would have made purchases different. We always tell people if you can just live as cheap as you can, as long as you can, because mm-hmm. all that money can go back into your business yep. or keep it afloat when things go sideways. So all the young people out there, she said it before me. It's not me just banging on the same drum over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what's the best, I guess, and like in worst part about being your own boss? If you could pinpoint your favorite thing and then the thing that sucks the most. Um, you're responsible for everything and you're responsible for everything. <laughs> so both the best thing and the worst thing, um, you know, because it's like you get to pick and choose and decide, you know, what direction the business is going and who you want to work with and what you want to do. But at the same time, at the end of the day, everything, every choice that you make is your responsibility. I would agree. It's a, it's a gift and a curse. Uh, I probably looking back, I think now people, it's called Jeremy Scott fitness, obviously like, Oh, you're a genius. I'm like, no, I'm an idiot. Uh, I wouldn't have put my name on the building if I knew that I had to be here all the time. I go, however, it's built a personal brand that now we can do things that never would be possible. Um, And so it's amazing. And the cool thing about it is you get this disproportionate amount of credit for everything. And yeah, I kill myself to make it work. But, you know, sometimes I think I could shit on the floor and people would think it's awesome. (laughs) Um, So you get like this praise for everything. However, if something sucks, then you eat all that too. Mm-hmm. So, hey, Jeremy, this person did this or this. I'm like, that's always my fault. Mm-hmm. And if you're okay with taking on the ownership of that, I'm like, it's fine. But I don't, and I ask this of every entrepreneur who comes in, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, they we glamorize it sometimes on the internet. And don't get me wrong, like it's just not, you know, we're not, you know, saving lives here, like literally, but it is hard work. And I think a lot of people see it, well, my corporate job sucks. I'm going to start my own business. I'm like, but you're just trading one thing for something that's way more work. I always tell people, you better be real damn passionate about whatever it is that you're going to do if you're going to be an entrepreneur because it's it's hard. <laughs> like if you think about how much you've worked over the last you know 10 years or so, like how many weekends or like holidays or things. And I don't know like where you draw boundaries now. It's probably different than when you started. Absolutely. But when you're first starting, at least the first probably, I don't know, maybe five, six years. How many of those years are you doing this just by yourself? Um, the first almost nine, 10 years, I was doing everything by myself. So it was nobody actually, else. nobody else. Nope. Damn dude, your life sucks. Yeah. It was horrible. That's bad. man. <laughs> um, and, and that was the thing is, again, I kept thinking about like, okay, well I know where this could go. Um, and so, you know, hiring that first person is actually the hardest part going from one person to five people is easier than going from zero to one. Um, so, it, you know, hiring that first person was really scary. Also, again, now that responsibility of this person's paycheck is, you know, on, you. on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, and this person's livelihood is now my responsibility. Um, that was a that was a huge, you know, scary thing for me to, to take on. How did you decide like, hey, this is the time where I need to bring one person on? Is it like a revenue goal or just like, you know what, it's too much work. I think I can afford it. I can pay myself less. Or how do you kind of have that conversation? It was actually a really um, random 
thing that happened, um, one of the local magazines here, their editor-in-chief who had been there for over 10 years, and it was actually the magazine that I worked, I actually worked with this woman back in 2008. Her and I had worked together when I was at that magazine, and she stayed there since then. And so she was, you know, running this magazine for the last decade, and um, she left the company, and this happened during COVID. And when she left, I was like, hey... I don't know what you're going to do next, but this is what I'm trying to do. And I kind of just gave her kind of the business plan of what I was trying to accomplish. And I was like, would, you know, I can't give you a full-time salary, but would you be willing to like come on, you know, part-time and grow with me? And so it was just kind of a really awesome opportunity that happened for me. So, um, so that's kind of how it started. And then she's brought over some of her people and, you know, and it's kind of grown from there. So, um, so it was a really... I can't say that I made the decision. I feel like I can't take credit for it. Yeah, it just kind of happens. Yeah. I get that. Um, do you guys have an office somewhere or is it all like remote? We're all remote. Nice. Um, yeah. And especially with, you know, all of our contributors being in other states too, um, it's, you know, kind of makes sense for everybody to continue to stay remote. Um, I used to have an office a while back and what I found is I was like killing myself, forcing myself to go into the office and I'm like, I'm wasting extra time in my day because I feel like I have to go use this office I'm paying for. <laughs> but it was one of those things where I think in your head you think, oh, as a business owner, I have to have an office. Like that makes me official. <laughs> and it's like, these are, you know, things that are not necessarily, um, you know, things you have to have. No, I would say like, obviously we bought this building and I like fitness, so it is what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is like my only place where if you see my office, anybody who watches like YouTube, you can see uh, I get to decorate in here because my house looks nothing like this. It's like crate and barrel and my wife doesn't <laughs> let me put anything up. It's really depressing. So it's fun in that regard. But if I, I didn't do fitness like this and have a full gym at scale where people are in here every single day, it doesn't make fiscal sense to mm -hmm. take on that much responsibility. I have seen the places where you can like rent a little, like it's almost like an office space mm -hmm. where those are relatively cheap. That would be kind of fun, I guess, if you want the separation. Yeah. But you having a team of people cramming a bunch of people into a small room is right. not definitely not ideal. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, you know, for some people like my editor in chief, for example, I mean, she lives like clear across town. She's got kid, young kids that she needs to pick up and drop off at school. And so, you know, for her, it's like, that's a huge benefit that she gets this flexibility and can, you know, take spring break vacations with them and summer vacation and, you know, and have that flexibility. It's, it's compensation in a, in a sense for her that, you know, yeah, maybe I can't pay you a ton yet, but you get all these other added benefits. So, um, so, you know, it depends on who, who you're working with. Well, and I think if there's a benefit of COVID, if there's anything, which was a shit show, uh, it's like that we've learned remote work is possible yes. if people want to do it. I'm yes. not a fan of, I can't live on Zoom. I can't stand that shit mm -hmm. personally. But there is ways to connect where if you're, because I always remember being like, if we go to, like, we do fly to uh, Boston and we'd be at Reebok and some of the younger people there who would work on the team with us, like as athletes, I would ask, like, what's your commute like? Well, it takes me like an hour and a half to get here. And then it's been like an hour, an hour and a half to get home. And I like, you sit in a car for three hours a day to That's drive to this job for nine fucking hours. I go, what a miserable existence. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, I'll usually take Hayden up here because I don't want to come on Scott's road because yeah. I feel like it takes too long. And it's like, you know, 14 minutes, <laughs> you know, but it, like it bothers me. And I couldn't imagine being in a car for an hour. Well, you're wasting three hours of your life every day. Like, that's so sad. So, yeah, I think um, I, I'm like, I was happy to see that, like, people learn to work remotely via COVID. I'm like, maybe I do see the value. Something that I've learned, though, actually, with working through, with my business coach is there's also a lot of value, though, in that FaceTime, too. So I think striking that balance of making sure you're still getting that FaceTime with your people, but 
you know, it's, it's not necessary for them to be in an office every day. No, I think the relationships is the biggest gap where if it's only digital, you can't know people. Like if you and I did this on zoom, it would be way weirder Yeah. and it wouldn't feel the same to me. Like we couldn't bullshit before we couldn't Mm -hmm. bullshit after. I wouldn't feel like I've ever met you. Right. So there's something to said about being in person and obviously being digital too. Right. Uh, so if we talk about the digital stuff, social media, the good, the bad, the ugly, (laughs) um, we can share your catfish story if you want to. And then like, then what, then what you do for brands too. Um, I don't care how you want to attack that one. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, obviously digital has afforded me to, you know, build this business that, you know, is now doing so well. And, um, you know, I built it over a decade with very little money and it's, you know, allows, there's so little overhead involved. And I mean, even with advertising, like small businesses can advertise on Facebook and Instagram for so little, as opposed to, you know, traditional advertising avenues, like, you know, TV and there's no radio. Yeah. There would be no, no chance. I'm trying to think like even early on, like when we're doing, obviously like men's health is obviously like Rodale first then Hearst publishing obviously buys them Mm -hmm. before that we had done stuff through a lot of the supplement companies we work with, with like uh, muscle and fitness or flex magazine back when it's, you know, still the hard copies. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, and somebody can pull this up or if they remember like a page ad in flex would be like 50 grand. Oh yeah. I think for a big national pubs. Yeah. And then like maybe muscle and fitness was like 80 grand a page. And then it just goes up from there. And you're talking about an ad on a piece of paper for $50,000. And how do we track the ROI? How do we track the conversions? Obviously we can't in a business. Like even for me, like I would never pay $50,000 today, let alone when I'm starting out, I don't have fifty thousand right. dollars. It's insane. Which is and now cool. it's like you can spend fifty dollars and get something Which on awesome. know, social media. So I mean, it's been there's so many great things about what social media has you know allowed for us to do, and um, it has you know lowered the barrier to entry for for businesses and whatnot. It's and good. It's good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because everybody like is an entrepreneur. Everybody right. can do this, and yeah, that it's weird how that shifted too. Because it used to be you would tell someone you're an entrepreneur, basically you're unemployed and you're a loser and now it can mean a multitude of things depending on what side of the fence you're on which is kind of cool yeah i mean i feel like it's almost a bad word now like i wouldn't even i would feel like weird putting entrepreneur in my bio because then it's like oh now i'm one of those guys you know no and that's so (laughs) it's kind of got like a negative connotation now we'll go down that road since you took it there what (laughs) what do you tell people you do when you meet them like in a social setting like you're at a wedding or you're at an event and it's something new and they don't know you and you introduce yourself like Hi, here's what I do. I just say I'm, I own a digital marketing business. This is like the easiest, shortest way to say it. Which they're like, oh yeah. And they're like, no fucking clue what you really exactly. do. Exactly. <laughs> it's probably one of my, I don't really care, um, but it's cringeworthy if I could film all these experiences. Like if my wife and I go to a, uh, we go to a wedding or maybe she's like on a work, you know, trip with people and they're like, what does your husband do? And, you know, how... What do you say? Well, he's a personal trainer. Oh, my cousin Ricky's a personal trainer. I'm like, we're not the same, dude. And that's nothing against your cousin Ricky. I go, but it's fucking different. Or uh, he owns a gym. And so if we say that, like, oh, well, is the gym okay because of COVID and this? And so, or he has a podcast or he's an influencer. Well, now everybody's a pod has a podcast and everybody's an influencer. Well, it's, you know, similarly, um, with the online magazine, when people call me a blogger or a blog and like no offense to bloggers out there, but like, 
for what I've built, that's really insulting. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I always give the example of, it doesn't matter to me, like the titles are irrelevant and like what the outside world judges really, I don't get validation from that, so I don't give a shit. But I always use like the Bobby Flay and like the Waffle House example. Like the guy at Waffle House is a chef, but so is Bobby Flay. And they're not the same dude. Right. And that's how I try to break it down. I'm like, your cousin Ricky might be the best at what he does at LA Fitness in, you know, Omaha, Nebraska. I'm like, but we're not the same dude. Like, I give my life to this thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to kind of put a title on it. So I was just curious, like, how you do it. Because it's, yeah. it's a weird, it's a thing that matters, I think, to like super old people. Um, I don't think the younger generation cares as much. But no. <laughs> it's still kind of strange. So if we talk about uh, the not so awesome things. On social media. Um, yeah. Well, uh, the fact that you, you're putting yourself out there for <laughs> anybody and everybody on the universe to see. Um, so, you know, obviously you're sharing your personal life and, and, you know, and obviously as somebody that is in the social media industry, I'm always telling people, oh, people like to see the person behind the brand. Like you need to be more personable and be more vulnerable and share more about yourself. And, but that, you know, backfires as I've recently have learned. <laughs> and, um, you know, as you're seeing all these people are getting their photos taken and used for fake Instagram accounts, which honestly, even just in the last like month has gotten really out of control. Um, I've had so many friends get their accounts hacked or, you know, their photos taken and used for these accounts that are scamming people and getting people to send them money, um, thinking that this is somebody they know and trust and, you know, they're getting completely scammed. And you have a catfish story. I do. Recently. When did this all... I like the catfish kind of stuff. I feel... It's like a Dateline episode. Um, <laughs> when did this start happening? Is it recent? Yeah. So this actually all just happened on Friday last week. So this is just, you know, six days ago. A week um, ago. Yeah. Um, Break it down for or us. Or wait, I'm like, what is the day today? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, Brown, this, I'm like, this is the life of an entrepreneur. I don't know what day of the week Valentine's it is. Valentine's Day was um, Monday, if that's relevant okay. at all. Um, yeah. Okay. So today is Friday. That's right. Yeah. So this is a week ago. Um, well, so the week prior to this happening though, I have this really intense, um, Instagram account that somebody has taken all of my photos and videos and has created this really like legitimate looking Instagram account. Does it have your same name on it? Her name's Belinda. Oh. <laughs> They've actually changed the name three times now because I, I, over the, they launched this, I think about three weeks ago, this account. And, um, someone brought it to my attention. Like you, you know, we talked about your, your followers will see this stuff and they send it to you. And, and so in the past, I mean, this stuff happens all the time and I know I'm not the only person this happens to everybody. And usually you can report it to Instagram. They take it down within a few hours to maybe 24 hours. There have been times where I have to like send a photo of my ID to prove who I am and, you know, find whatever, but they usually get it taken down within a day. Well, we're now on week three. This this account has gotten very legitimized. They've got over 4,000 followers. They have highlight reels of my dogs, <laughs> like 30 photos of my dogs on there. Um, and they're basically running a crypto scam, asking people to send them money and saying they're going to invest it for them and they're going to make all this money and you're going to be you know, wealthy like Cynthia or Belinda, I should say. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I've, I've reported it to Instagram. I've posted it to my personal account multiple times and my followers over 500 people clicked the link to report the account. So like over 500 people have reported this account and it's still sitting there. And, um, the response I got back from Instagram was basically like, we're too busy to look at this right now. If you don't like what this person's posting, you can block them. <laughs> and that's, that was what I got from Instagram. I mean, does that, but that doesn't even help because like you can block them. 
but they're still scamming people. Well, and they can still go from another burner account, grab all your shit, oh, and then yeah. repost on that account. Yeah. So on Saturday, I posted a picture from the Phoenix Open, and by Monday, that same photo was up on this fake account. So they're, hus- they're hustling. Yeah. So I'm like, they're taking my shit in real time. They're watching what I'm doing. Um, so that happened, and I had been posting about it on social media, so people kind of knew that that was going on. And then on Friday um, afternoon, I get a text message from my employee, and she's like, hey, Cynthia, I got this really weird message from my contact form on my website. And um, I, you know, it's just very strange. I don't know if this is spam or if this is something to do with you know, these fake accounts that are out there of you. But you know, she sends me a screenshot of it, and basically this guy is like um, trying to get you know hold of Cynthia Sassy like she's scamming she took my money she's playing with me like you know tell her she needs to you know contact me and I'm like what the hell is this about and so the of course my mind initially goes to this like scam I was like maybe this is something that got scammed on this Instagram account yeah so then I go to my email and I've got two messages that this person went and so they went through the fabulous Arizona website and like they found my employees on there and that's how they found you know this employee to message her on her personal website then he messaged my, uh, uh, went through the contact form on Fabulous Arizona saying, attention, Cynthia Sassy, like you need to stop messing around with men. And I'm like, what on earth is going on here? So I reply back to the email and I'm like, I don't know who you are. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and you know, just to see if I could get a response. Then a few minutes later, my apartment complex calls me and I don't answer because I'm thinking like uh, they probably like want to talk about some maintenance thing or something whatever so I just let it go to voicemail and I go and look at the voicemail and they're like somebody just called here trying to find you and I'm like what (laughs) and all of this occurs within five minutes so I'm like okay this person's really like really trying to find me like who is this person so I they took the person's number and um and the apartment complex is basically like um, you know, this person called asking to verify that you live here, asking to verify what your phone number is. And they're like, of course, we told them we couldn't give out your information. Um, and the guy basically said, well, if you don't tell me, you know, the information that I need, I'm just going to show up there. And of course, my apartment complex is like, this guy sounds a little terrifying. We do not want him showing up here. <laughs> so they were like, we're going to take your name and phone number and we'll have Cynthia contact you. So they got his phone number. And I'm regretting now not having blocked my number to call this number. <laughs> that would have been the smart thing to do. Mistake but, number one, everybody. Yeah. So I was, but I was flustered and just very like, what the heck is going on? So I just immediately to just click the number to call it. And this guy answers and I'm like, um, this is Cynthia Sassy. You've been trying to reach me apparently. Like, who are you and what is going on? And he's like, well, do you have some time to talk? And I'm like, I have a few minutes like what like what do you who are you what is what is this and I was just like really aggravated at that point because I was like this person's harassing me and um and he's like do you have a boyfriend and I was like yeah and he's like is his name Eric and I was like no and he's like yeah it is and I was like no his name's not Eric and he's like I'm Eric. He's like, I'm your boyfriend. And I'm like, this is the most surreal conversation I've ever had. That's like, cr- I'd yeah. be like freaking out. Dude. Yeah. I was just like, what? I'm like, it just felt so like not reality. I was like, what is this guy talking about? And it was like, I'm sorry. I was like, I have no idea who you are. I've never spoken to you before. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, we've been talking for four months. I just flew down here from New York today to, to meet you. Like you told me to fly down here. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> so he had flown that day from New York down to, here to Scottsdale to quote unquote meet me. And um, apparently once he got here, the person ghosted him. And so that's why he went on this rampage. So this person not only used my photos and videos, they used my name. They talked about my business. They said I was expanding fabulous to fabulous New York. And like we're using like basically assumed my identity. Jesus. And um, and so this guy, that's why he was able to find me. So once he got down here and this person wasn't responding to him, um, he just went on this rampage of trying to like get a hold of me because he's obviously very upset. Um, a lot of his uh, messages were about money. So he obviously sent this person some money. And so he's very upset, understandably so. But I'm not the person to be upset at. So, um, so yeah, so he somehow found my address, obviously tracked down, you know, my business website and everything. And um, I was like, listen, dude, I'm sorry. Like, and he's like, just sounds absolutely heartbroken. I mean, you can imagine you think you're in love with this person. You're like, I'm flying down to finally meet them in person. And you get here and find this out. Like, and I was just like, dude, I'm sorry. But like, you haven't been talking to me. I don't know like what you're talking about. Um, and he's just like, you can just he like hear it in his voice that he's so confused <laughs> and struggling with this. Because I'm sure this is going on for what, months? Maybe? He said four months. And they were talking over WhatsApp and Google. Um, so never phone calls, never video. So it's like, Lord knows who he's talking to that he's been sending money to. It could be somebody overseas. I mean, WhatsApp is notorious for, you know, international communication. So That's how we actually talk with some of the people who have came here from like, uh, like Brazil or different mm -hmm. places where like they, I didn't never had it before then. Yeah. Like, Oh, cause we can send like videos and stuff back and forth. It's actually like a useful tool. Yeah. But apparently not when it's well not when it's being used to scam somebody that's fucking crazy yeah dude. but so then it gets worse though because then he's like trying to like he's got the real cynthia on, on the line now so now he's trying to talk to me <laughs> and because he's been so this person must i don't know if they met him on a dating app or something but he's been following my actual real instagram account thinking that he's talking to me on whatsapp and i mean you know, catfish 101, like, obviously, if I'm not DMing you on Instagram, I'm probably not that person. But he, you know, I think he believed what he wanted to believe. And um, so he's been, you know, watching me on on in my Instagram, my real Instagram, thinking that he's talking to me. And so, um, you know, he starts going on about how I seem like just a real lovely person. And, you know, he would like to talk to me. And I was just like, whoa, like, I don't know you. You think you're in love with me. This is, you know, I need to like stop this right here. So I was just like, listen, I'm so sorry this happened to you. It's not me you've been talking to. I recommend you block this person and, you know, like, lose their number. And I was like, I got to go basically hang up the phone. And so then after that, I start getting text messages from him, phone calls. And he's like, there's more to talk about. And I'm just like, no, like this isn't good. <laughs> it's got to be hard. I remember watching like a dateline about this where they like actually drove to the person's house after like maybe six months. Mm -hmm. And it was like the person, like nobody lived there. It yeah. was like just some like farmhouse, like in the middle of nowhere. And uh, this whole thing was fabricated. Mm -hmm. And that person actually had made uh, like a fake Facebook account with all fake friends. So they had curated and made like 150 fake profiles to like so elaborate where it seems like it takes so much work. And I have to imagine like how confused a person is because you're having a conversation and then they're watching your real life unfold, but they're talking to someone who's not you. Mm -hmm. So you get this idea. It'd be like someone thinks they're talking to me, but it's some other dude where they're probably saying in, things and, and telling them things I would never fucking say no. or do but yet that now that's the belief and then mm -hmm. they put your face to the image of it 
That's, I don't understand what's like, why do people do that? Oh, I guess for money. This person, obviously, I mean, I, I can imagine this is probably this person's full-time job (laughs) and this is how they make their living is scamming people like this. And, um, so you wonder like, do, are they doing, is there multiple people oh, they're sure emulating? So many. Or do there yeah. multiple dudes that they're that trying they're to using do with for mine. you? Yes. Yeah. So my, Very possible. Yeah. So if you're like nine dudes come here in the next like month. Yeah. Well, that's, that and like I said, normally, you know, people just take your photos and it's like, well, that sucks. My photos are being used. But it's like the fact that he was able to find my home and like threaten to come to my home is very terrifying. Like I have not stayed at my house for the past week. Like it's, you know, I don't, and the thing is, is he knows what I look like. I don't know what he looks like. So he could be anywhere at any time and I would have no idea. I don't know if he went back to New York. I don't know if he's still here. I, I don't know. And so since then, over the last week, I continue to get these now I'm getting from a different, different phone numbers, like burner numbers. I'm getting like threatening text messages, like stop messing around with guys, Cynthia, like you need to stop playing with men. Like, and it's just, I'm getting these in the like number calls from blocked calls. And so it's like, I can't block these people because it's different burner numbers, blocked numbers, like, and it's just incessant every day for the past week. It's sad because I mean, what a crazy story. Cause now I'm like, well, is there like 15 dudes? that you've fake done this to, you know what I mean? I'm just thinking like, yeah, it sucks for you. It sucks for this dude. And because neither of you did anything right. Like, and it's just this third party weirdo who scams people like out of money and creates this fake. I mean, the amount of the, the dedication to capture somebody is really impressive in like the most terrible way possible. It's like if they could use that like energy and effort and, and you know, and in, in, to something good, like that would be amazing. But there's no, I mean, you can't really stop it though either. We've had the same thing. And again, like you said, where someone makes a fake account of our stuff, basically says it's like Jeremy Scott Fitness, but slightly spelled wrong mm-hmm. or some kind of brand version of it. We usually post it in one of our groups and like you said, you get hundreds of people to complain, and it usually comes down yep. within a couple of days. But I couldn't imagine this whole fictitious life that they created with my image or name. Mm-hmm. So anybody listening, uh, that's never me. I'm never <laughs> going to do that. I'll never message you for a date to talk to you ever. That's not me. I'm old and married, so I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, if anybody tries to tell you that I'm a, a expert in crypto or stocks, uh, definitely not me because I know nothing about that stuff. <laughs> God, dude, that's gnarly. So what do you do now? You just kind of navigate it? Well, kinda... I did actually file a police report um, just in case, you know, this does go any further. I mean, this is some pretty serious harassment. This person knows where I live. Um, you know, so I've given them all the information. And they're mad, but it's not really mad at you. No. And it, and it, but here's the thing is like, I look at these text messages, these angry, harassing text messages calling me a bitch and whatever else. And as much as I know that this isn't about me, it still makes me sick to my stomach. It still ruins my day. And it, so, and it still takes up space in my mind, which sucks. And so it's a crummy place to be. That is just weird. Like that. Did you ever think when you started this? 10, 15 years ago, this would be the, uh, this is the, this is where it ends up No, right here. And well, and that's the thing is like, you know, I've watched catfish for many, many years and you know, and I, I know this stuff happens, but it's like, you always think like, Oh, that won't be me. Like you just don't, it's, it doesn't seem real when you watch it on TV, but then, you know, to be in this situation in real life is very bizarre. Well, I always think it's, I, I think every, I'm like the opposite. I'm a skeptic of everything. I think everything's fake until it becomes real. So we'll get full disclaimer. You guys know, like we get creepy messages on Instagram all the time. Dudes, women, you name it. Videos, gross shit. We have sex with my wife, you name it. I've seen it and heard it all. Um, 
I want to think most of it's fake, but then like we have a circle of friends like Alexia's on it, Hannah, BJ, we trade these text messages of like the creepiest things we get sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, Oh no, this is real. Like people really do this. But I always assume until like it says my name or something specific, like, ah, oh, this is just a bot or something like trying to like, and that's what I thought initially too. Um, you know, when that first message came into my employee and I was like, Oh, this is just, you know, we get tons of spam to our contact forms. Yeah. But then when they start referencing like my full name and my employees names and it's like, Whoa, 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 this is, this is getting real. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Yeah. Well, hopefully it all just kind of disappears. We can only hope. <laughs> That's a gnarly man. I that really does kind of freak me out. I've always mm-hmm. said that to my wife, like, don't um, don't put our house number like up anywhere. If you take a picture like outside of our dog or make something, make sure like, that like your home address is not visible. Yeah, or... and I'm not like I'm not so worried for me. Like you'd have to fucking kill me, you know, if you're gonna come <laughs> to my house and like I'm, you know, not the smallest dude in the world. But if it was if I was a female, right. I for surely would be um, a little bit more frightened of. Yeah, and this definitely has um, caused me to be more cautious, and also I, you know, would recommend other people be more cautious too. Um, in terms of like, if I go somewhere, I am not going to be posting anything on social media about being there until after I've left. <laughs> um, you know, those kinds of things of just like, you know, being a little more careful with that kind of stuff, or posting anything that could even indicate like the apartment complex I live in. Like, if there's you know anything identifiable in the background, like make sure that that's not getting posted. Like those th- kinds of things. Your car, anything. Well, and that's the thing. Also, like my car I work with a a car wash here locally and have posted my car many times on you know on there for that so it's like uh, I'm really out there (laughs) yeah I would tell that's one thing we um for a long time because I obviously like we live on the internet our lives become you know very public and very grateful and, and blessed for it for everybody who listens and watches it's awesome but it's not my personality type like it's not who I am and anytime we go somewhere uh, I want to document it to people to show like I'm not just a robot and I don't just work and right. do fitness, but we also don't do it in real time ever. Mm-hmm. It has to be later on, at least like 10, 12 hours later, a day later. But even then, if we're on vacation somewhere and let's say like we go to Coronado Island a ton because like we love it over there mm-hmm. and, but people always be like, oh man, you should stop by or, hey, where are you at? Or, hey, I'm at the beach too or this. And I'm like, oh fuck, dude. And that's not it's not a knock. Like I don't want to meet new people and hang out with new people, but like we're on vacation and I'm like, it's like, this is my private life Yeah. where I'm like not trying to be Jeremy Scott fitness. I'm just like Jeremy, yeah. the dude who's just hanging out and, yeah. uh, it, you know, it's the good and the bad of it, I guess. It is. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not knocking these platforms. I mean, they have afforded us to, you know, build these great businesses and, and reach all these people. And, and, you know, the one good thing is, is a lot of people, you know, after I'd posted about what I've been dealing with, um, you know, messaged me and had stories of how I've helped them somehow. And maybe people that I've never even maybe met in person, um, that, you know, through my social media, I've somehow helped them or inspired them in some way. So, you know, it, to kind of help remind me of all the good that, you know, being so public has done um and not to let you know a couple bad apples ruin it for everybody else yeah it's um it's different man it's just i tell people if you if you don't live in it it's just definitely a different thing and something i never expected it uh, to turn into and be and so when i say that any idea like where it goes from here like social in general because it's a one-way street technology like we're not going backwards as much as i would love to be you know, Ron Swanson, uh, in the woods, just hanging out by myself with my dog. Like, it's just not going to happen. Not for a long time for me anyway. Mm -hmm. And for the world, no, it's only more inundated. So like, do you, do you guys ever talk about that or think like, Hey, what's the next progression in social? Like, do you know any idea? 
I mean, I, th- I think it's just going to, you know, continue to become even more invasive as it has. Um, but I think, you know, we need to, as ourselves, keeping ourselves safe, be more mindful of, like you said, not posting when we're, you know, at certain places or maybe not posting when you're on vacation until after you come back, like those kinds of things. Um, but I, I really hope, like I said before, I used to be able to get these accounts taken down within a day. Um, now here we are in week three and nothing's being done despite, you know, me repeatedly reporting this account and it very obviously being all of my things. And they're very obviously scamming people out of money. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, they're that inundated right now, I think there's, you know, there's a serious problem going on here. And I really hope that these platforms are, you know, putting some resources behind figuring out how to keep people safer on, on these platforms. When I always think of like kids too, that are younger. It terrifies me. And they're, like, I don't have kids yet. And I'm just like, that would be like, oh, well, cause you can't, you can't hide from it forever. Because otherwise, then you're fucking weird. Like, you know, <laughs> right. you're saying like you you're, just... You're the only kid in school that doesn't yeah, know Well, you're like the like, kid who's like raised with wolves and right. like you just don't know how to interact. <laughs> but in the same note, you know, a kid can now Google, you know, is Santa Claus real mm-hmm. at seven years old? Or they can get on like the porn sites or God knows what else is yep. out there. And that fucks your brain up. Like mm-hmm. if you see it. And that's, I don't know. I'm curious to see how it uh, kind of plays out. Because like we didn't grow up with it. So right. my brain was at least like somewhat, I mean, I use mature in a relative sense, but <laughs> like when I become here and I use it as a utility and that's because they're so big, they're utilities now. They're not just these, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of government regulating things. However, if imagine, and I say a utility because like you need lights here to run this gym. I need water, I need electricity. Those are public utilities everybody has access to. Imagine running a business now with no Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. You basically don't exist to people. <laughs> and so they have to have something where, I don't know, like there's some kind of regulatory thing where it makes sense and it can kind of, but it's it's so big. Mm-hmm. And it's you're talking billions of people now. Yeah. And here we are, which is kind of nuts. Um, if I'm talking on that same sense, is there a thing, um, and we'll go into like the fitness aspect of it in a second, where if you meet a, a business owner or even if you see maybe young people, like mistakes they make on social. And just from my personal perspective here, we have young coaches that work with us. I've had a bunch over the years. We get a lot of these young fitness folks ask me questions because I'm old as shit in fitness now is what they tell me. <laughs> um, I, they think that that digital world is more important than this world in a lot of instances. And what I mean is filters have become like the new makeup, sometimes for females. And I see younger folks their validation is in like the, the, the number of followers. And they think like, if this doesn't get that many clicks or likes or views, that post sucked, I should delete it, I should redo it. And they're only pandering to like this outside audience. And I understand it in one context where I understand that more people have heard my voice and see me on video than I'll ever meet in person. That's just reality, especially mm-hmm. like at Men's Health. If we do a video, that's 30 million people. How the fuck am I ever going to meet 30 million? I won't. Right. So they know me now, but that's still not my real life. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't grow up with this. And my validation didn't come from, oh man, 50,000 people watch you or, or 100,000 people follow you, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I do see young kids kind of doing that. Is there things that you guys see either with the businesses or maybe with, you know, the younger kind of entrepreneurs or people who they put too much stock in some of these things? 
I mean, you know, I, again, I am older, so I feel like, you know, I didn't always have the, the social media to lean on. Um, but, you know, the reason why my business has been as successful as it has is because of in-person um, relationships that I've built. Um, when I first started my business, I didn't have money to spend on ads or anything else. And so I literally would just go out to any and every event happening in town and just go up to people and shake their hand and introduce myself. So is that your personality type or no? No. Um, and people think that they see me now, I go speak at events and they're like, wow, Cynthia, you know, this is easy for her. And it's like, no, like I would go literally be sick to my stomach driving to these events, like terrified and be like, God, I don't want to do this. Like I'm, I am not that outgoing. I'm more of a shy person, but it was like, well, do you want your business to succeed? Like you got to get out there and do it. And so, um, and obviously the more I did it, the easier it got. And, um, you know, and the more, more I did it, the more people I, you know, recognizable faces would be in the room when I'd go to these events and it got easier and easier. Um, but by no means was that my personality to do that. It's painful. Yeah. I hate those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, do they still do those like B and I meetings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember doing that when I was young, uh, awful because mm-hmm. everybody basically just wants to siphon off of you and nobody yes. adds any value to you. It's just terrible. Yep. We worked the Arizona bridal show mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, sometimes just like my wife and I, uh, cringeworthy to just, <laughs> t- I mean, I've done all of those and I've shared this on here a million times. We used to go, I do love social media, so I don't want to bag on it, but I do think people put way more importance on that than actually meeting people and building a business and making money because they're two different things. Now they, they cross over for sure. I go, but we always did it from, you know, the inside out. And before there was the internet, the way it is today, I would go to every business in the air park and hand them my flyer and like, Hey, you come for a free week of training, whatever it was. And I promise you 90% of them threw it in the trash in two seconds. Right. And that's a demoralizing, like painful, it's cold calling. It's mm-hmm. fucking awful. Um, but there's something to be learned there for sure. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, even if you can reach so many people on the internet, post every day, do your things. But there's something to be said about actually, like you used to do, like and still do, meet people in person, mm-hmm. talk to them, build a relationship. Or I think, I don't want to sound like a, you know, 10 generations away from younger kids, but sometimes that becomes the default. Well, I know them on Instagram. I'm like, you don't know them though. Right. Well, and it, what's funny is a lot of times when I meet people in person, you know, you think you're putting out this certain, you know, perception of who you are on social media. But then when I meet people, they're like, gosh, you're so different than I thought you'd be. And it's like, what does that mean? Like, you know, and it's like, so you don't really even know how people are perceiving you on by what you're putting out. So it's like, really, they don't know you. Um, and, and so it's, there's something so different about being in person um, and building those relationships. And, you know, I say this all the time, we have no control over these platforms. Instagram could disappear tomorrow. Um, so if you don't have any other relationships outside of, you know, these social platforms, um, you know, what, what would you do? (laughs) I don't think a lot of people have an answer for that, which is kind of crazy. And to your point, like we, even we try to be as real as we can here, obviously, but we game it as well for the views. And it's not because I give a shit about views, but I understand that if if people don't stop and from scrolling and click our stuff, they never see it. They never hear us talk. They never watch it. Then we can't help them. Mm -hmm. And then the business doesn't make any sense to be on the internet. So we curate certain things to look a certain way. Do I really ever come in here with my shirt off? Fuck no, I don't ever do that. I go, <laughs> but it works well on for social media, the internet, yeah. so we do it. And to your point, people probably think you're a certain way, but they don't really know you. Right. 
I always go back to my buddy, shout out to Andrew Connor, who handled all our stuff at Reebok forever. And I had never met him for quite a while as they're just, you know, they watch our stuff, they see it. I fly out there and he's telling Kim at the time, you know, I'm super excited to meet, you know, Jeremy Scott. It'd be great. Uh, You know, I watch all his stuff and Kim's like, you know, he's really not like that. And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, he doesn't talk. Because in a group of eight people who are all these like outgoing personalities, I don't want to be that. I'm just okay being in the corner. Like, mm-hmm. it's fine. But when you watch the videos or you hear the podcast, well, he talks all the time. Like, yeah, but I can talk now. When you leave, I'm not going to talk to anybody for like the next five <laughs> hours, which is great. So it's hard for people to know yeah. that. They know you do the best you can with being transparent and real, but mm-hmm. you still can't show everything right especially in an instagram format Mm -hmm. because it's not long form content it's so short little snippets yeah kind of nuts uh so if we segue into uh your personal health and fitness obviously you're in shape what's um what do you do like for and how do you balance it with like hey because i'm sure or what is your work schedule like and then how do you fit in your own physical activity inside of that like what is a normal day for you well so honestly I don't work out as much as I used to (laughs) I wish I had the time um I but I do make sure every single morning I walk my dogs two miles so that's kind of like I I that's how I start my day and it's nice to like I'm not going straight to the computer or straight to work it's you know I take that hour walking you know get my coffee walk the two miles of the dogs they're getting they're staying young and healthy and it's you know good for me for my health um to start the day um what, but kind, of, what kind of dogs do you have i have um a little bashan and papillon and they are all over social media as well they actually have their own instagram page oh nice um they're part of the brand which is that's why it's so disturbing when people take their photos too i can't even imagine if i had kid like actual kids that <laughs> people took their pictures that's um i don't have kids either and i can say this without having them, I would never post them on the internet ever. And this is just my, I'm not judging anybody. Whatever you want to do is fine. Personally, our stuff is at critical mass. There's too many creep shows out mm-hmm. there. And uh, that would bother me personally. I don't give a shit about me. You can talk shit about me and yeah. do whatever. I don't care. That just seems to me, that's like my line mm-hmm. personally, but everybody yeah. else. So be it. Well, and for me, my, my dogs are like my children. So it's like, oh, same it here. creeps me out. I remember somebody uh, created an account and they like renamed my dogs. Like, I don't remember what it was, but it was really, so, I was just like, so weird. So strange. <laughs> um, so what time do you get up usually? Um, so I'm, my, my dogs actually wake me up. Uh, they're, uh, they're 11 now. And uh, my Papillon is very obsessed with food. And so if I am not up by 630, um, he is, you know, just raising all hell to be fed so um so i'm usually up around six or so um and then you know we do our full walk so that i'm at my computer by 8 a.m um and then you know i try i like to try and do like a midday workout like just 30 minutes hit the gym quick um what do you like a big box gym um just at at my apartment oh nice yeah um i mean i used to do like i've i used to work out a lot i used to be a long distance runner i over actually over trained and it was negatively impacted um, how I looked actually um, how by far, doing too how, much. How far did you run? Um, I used to run marathons. So the full show, 26 yep, too. Yep. Yep. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Well, honestly it was um, one. I mean, I still to this day love running um, as much as it is like painful and brutal, especially those long runs. Um, there is just something about training for a marathon that you learn so much and it teaches you so much discipline um, and you have to like, you learn to control your mind um, when you're out doing a 20 mile training run and there's no one forcing you to do that. (laughs) So everything inside of you says you want to quit and you have to like play these mind games with yourself to like 
keep yourself going to finish it. And so I think it t- teaches you so much mental toughness um, to, to do that kind of, uh, you know, to do marathons. I always say everyone should do not a full marathon, but I think everyone in their lifetime should do a half marathon, train and run a half marathon because I guarantee it will change like your mind and the way you think. It's, uh, we've done them on, uh, you know, like the concept two rowers, mm-hmm. like the, we've done them on those, yeah. which is the same distance and it's terrible. That sounds, well, that's stationary. Like if you told me to go run a marathon on a treadmill, I'd kill myself. Cause like, what is it? What did your, like, what's a marathon time for you? Like what's a good, um, I think my fastest was like four forty five, So I wasn't like a super fast runner. So like um, on the rowers there, it's faster to do. Yeah. Um, you're still talking about three, about three hours yeah. on your ass. I know, but I mean, imagine being out there for five hours running. Like, it sounds, ter- it also, <laughs> sounds it's terrible. It's all terrible, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I wasn't a, a, you know, I think I getting under 10 minutes, 10 minute miles for a full marathon was, you know, I was, was pretty happy about. Um, but, you know, it was kind of more for me the f- finishing it than it was about the time. For sure. But I mean, when I first started, though, my times were horrible. And then once I started seeing me getting improving, it became like addictive. And so it was like, oh, I want to get better and faster. And, you know, and it came, became really addictive. But once I started, once I went full-time self-employed, paying the bills came way before a three-mile training run or a three-hour training run. So it was like, I don't have time to be training like that. And I actually tried to continue to still doing races without doing the proper training and started getting injuries. So um, that's I just had so, to let that go. Well, that's like the marathon story. The guy runs it and he dies. Yeah. Like that's how it's, that's how it started. It's, <laughs> uh, I always think that stuff's impressive. Like full triathlons, we have a bunch of Ironmen here and uh, people who like to, they just enjoy running. It's their it's skill just, set. And for me, like, it's the only thing that I will do where I'm not on my phone, which for, you know, someone that runs 15 Instagram accounts, it's incredibly difficult for me to get away from the phone. And when I'm out running, it's like, no one can contact me. No one can bother me. It's my sacred alone time. And I know I could set those boundaries other places, but it's incredibly difficult for me to do that. I mean, even if I'm in the gym, I'm still like checking my phone while I'm in there. I know it's, uh, we're like androids. We're basically just like connected to these devices already. Mm-hmm. I think most people would rather, you know, have someone steal their wallet than <laughs> right. steal their phone, which is yeah. really sad. Yeah. Uh, so with that, so you're still moving around every day. Um, mm-hmm. How do you eat? Do you try to eat well? Drink booze? Yeah. So What's the... something that actually, um, I actually don't drink as much as I used to. <laughs> um, I feel like as I'm getting older, my body can't Well, you're not 21 it. anymore. No, so. definitely not. Yeah. Um, but uh, something that I started, I actually did... Um, this uh, fat burn diet is what it was called a Sunfair um, two years ago. I don't know if you're familiar with Sunfair, but they do like... It's like um, meal delivery? Yeah, it's meal delivery. Yeah. Um, they work with a lot of like the Suns players and Cardinals players, especially the ones that like the football players that have to weigh in. They are on very strict, you know, diets. And so it's pre-portioned, you know, meals. Is it, so they like... Uh like freeze dry it or whatever and then drop no, it to you? They you make cook it, it yourself? No, they cook it every morning and deliver it that night. Oh, no so shit. it's fresh made that every day. So that's why, you know, it's a, it's a higher price point than the average, you know, meal prep. Um, but this particular program is intermittent fasting. And so you eat um, one meal for lunch, one meal for dinner. You have a small snack in the afternoon and that's it. Um, so you don't eat outside of that, you know, five, six hour window there. To let you guys like pick your window? Um, 
I'm, like, I mean, they recommend like, you know. Like 12 to 7. Or yeah, something. they're like 11 to, you know, 1 for lunch and then like, you know, 4 to 7 maybe for dinner. Um, but obviously, the, you know, the longer that, that window is of the intermittent fasting, the better. Um, so for me, that was uh, not having my morning latte was really hard. <laughs> um, but I did that about two years ago and I actually lost almost 10 pounds doing that. And I was like there's no way this weight's going to stay off. Like there, you know, I, I was like, this is, you know, it came off too fast. This is no way it's going to be sustainable. Yeah. And, um, but I really liked the intermittent fasting cause I normally don't eat in the morning anyway. That's just not, my body's not hungry in the morning. Same here. So I stuck with the intermittent fasting and actually kept the weight off. So, um, so that was like, and it kind of felt like it reset maybe my metabolism a little bit. Cause obviously you cut out carbs and sugar. There's, I mean, it's literally just like meat and veggies is essentially what your meals are. Um, and so you don't have any sugars or, um, any of that in there either. So it was kind of like a good detox as well. <laughs> well, yeah, when they're sending you real food, basically you just heat it up and eat it then for the yes, most part. Yep. But so I, I don't, I mean, I obviously still try to eat healthy, but like, I'm not super strict. I just, um, I, I stick with that intermittent fasting though, um, with uh, the exception of my coffee in the morning. Um, so that has helped me keep the weight off. <laughs> I like that. And you drink a ton or no? Uh, no, I used to. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just socially like responsible adult. Yes, I know. I'm an adult now. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a favorite place here you go ever for happy hour drinks or anything? Um, I'm a big patio fan, so I'm like, especially this time of year, yeah. a glass of wine on the patio. So like, you know, Olive and Ivy, um, is probably one of my favorites right on the waterfront there. Right there in Old Town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I rode my bike there a couple of times. Yeah. We, um, we do Rita's Kitchen a lot at, oh, yeah. uh, Camelback Inn. It's very nice. Yeah. My wife works for Corporate Marriott, so it's like, oh, we'll just go. Awesome. They, they do live music every night at six. Too. Yeah. It's kind of cool. There's so many places here though. Like where you can just ride your bike to yes. or walk to, depending where you live. But yeah. just curious. Um, so if we're talking work-life balance, uh, how did, what is, was that a thing for you? How does that, what does that look like? Or maybe, maybe now compared to five years ago as, you know, obviously you evolve as a person, whether you're like in a relationship with your dogs, if you travel, um, how do you draw the line? Obviously it's your own business. So there's always things to do mm-hmm. forever. And if you never turn it off, the thing just swallows you up. Yeah, that's something that has been a challenge for me that I've worked very hard on. I'm actually currently working on that with my business coach. And um, that's, you know, I've gotten a lot better. I used to work until 1, 2 in the morning. I would, you know, allow clients to text me at 11 o'clock at night and respond to them. Um, We don't do that anymore. So um, I definitely set some boundaries. I do have my phone automatically go on Do Not Disturb by like 9 p.m., and then it doesn't go back on until 7 a.m. just so that I can like set a little bit of not just from clients and stuff, but also from the social media of kind of like sure. stepping away. Um, but it's been a work in progress of trying to like mentally say it's OK to like wait till tomorrow to, to do this. Um, or if the end of the day comes and I told myself I was going to stop at 6 p.m. and something's not done, you know, is the world going to end if I you know wait until tomorrow to do this? Um, just kind of trying to, you know, have that realization of like it's, it's going to be OK. I can do this tomorrow. Is there ever like a day where you don't do anything? Like you fully punt it, you don't check an email, you don't look at social, you don't do anything at all? So one of my 2022 goals, actually, which I don't do resolutions, I do goals. Um, yeah. I had it's, told, way, it's way different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Because uh, I like to think that you should be resetting things frequently, um, not just once a year. But I um, told myself that I was going to try 
and I say try because it's you know never going to be 100%, but do my best to not be on my phone on Sundays and take that one day to not work, not you know be on my phone. Um, that's probably the easiest day to do just because clients are usually not bothering me on Sundays as well. So if I were to try and take like a Monday for like that, for example, it, that wouldn't be possible because my clients would be blowing me up. So That would be, um, yeah, I've never had a day. In like 15 years mm -hmm. where I have not done one thing. Well, honestly, like I said, we're what in February and this is the first year in many, many years that I've been able, that I've done this. I, it's not a hundred percent. I'm still having to like deal with certain things, you know, especially when you're on, you know, with social media, you can't just ignore something for an entire day. Um, but you know, it's, um, it's been very nice to give myself that one day of like, I'm going to sleep in and I might be a little lazy and that's okay. <laughs> it's weird because you become your own. It's a. I think sometimes people think like, hey, if I quit my corporate job, I won't have a boss. I'm like, no, no, you have yourself as a boss and you're probably like the worst boss of all time because yeah. you're so overly critical of yourself where mm -hmm. I would always be, okay, hey, if I don't do something today, is that does that day set me back three months, six months or three years yeah. or does something never even ever happen because I didn't lay the foundation today for something else, which it's hard to do. Um, I do sit way more boundaries now than I used to, but I, I can't imagine being a whole day because it just piles up Yeah. and I don't need to clear everything, but my wife sometimes will have her, you know, email and it's like, you have 400 emails and like, it gives me anxiety just thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and it, one thing that, you know, I've been working really hard on with my business coach is building up my team to a point that I can take a day off and things are not going to fall apart. <laughs> um, and so that's something that, you know, as I've started building my team in the last couple of years of trying to like, you know, build that trust and let go a little bit of like, okay, if they, you know, if I'm not there today, they can, they can handle it. It'll, everything will be okay. <laughs> well, that's when you get, when you obviously you built something up where maybe I'll check it, but just I'll send it, I'll forward it off. Right. So I guess that's technically still working, but it's way less than me actually manually. Exactly. And that's kind of, you know, like I said, when I'm saying I'm not working, that means I'm not like physically, but I'm still probably, you know, checking an email or handling something on social to some degree, but. Which is doable. Yeah. It's uh, basically have a rule here. I'm like, just don't burn the place down. You guys, right. like, don't, don't kill anybody. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you don't have to call me, don't call me. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, what we do. Yeah. Uh, so if we move into like, uh, kind of like female entrepreneurship, um, is there anything you've done with that? Like specifically, and I just say, cause you are female and I'm sure it's changed a lot over the last like five to 10 years. I would imagine. So like what you, you see in the space. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously my wife, obviously she's a female and, uh, <laughs> she talks a lot about like the, the wage gap, uh, between like men and women in probably the corporate world. Um, I don't know how you write the ship of that. I think it's getting better. Obviously, you're starting to see more females like, you know, sea level and things like that. And in the fitness world, uh, a lot of my closest friends are females and they just crush the world, which is cool to see. But it's still lagging, I think, behind dudes. Mm -hmm. um, what do you see like on your end with that stuff? You know, I wanted to believe that, you know, I'm, I'm a tough cookie and I can handle these guys and, and all of that. And, you know, when I thought that I was doing a good job of that for a long time until I got my business partner on the, the marketing agency and he's a man. And seeing the interactions now that I have a male business partner and how different they are with him there versus him not there um, has really opened my eyes to the fact that there's still a big um, difference in how men are treated in business versus women. And, um, you know, and I've seen clients firsthand that, you know, male clients, for example, that 
you know, kind of treated me like the help when he wasn't, in, you know, there in the meeting. Whereas, you know, with him, it's a, he gets a different level of respect or even no just, shit. yeah. Or even just in terms of like, um, you know, what we can charge, uh, you know, he can throw out, you know, a number way higher than anything I, I could have, you know, commanded prior. Just because so, he's a dude. Just because he's a dude. <laughs> even though I'm like, I have probably way more experience than he does because um, I've been doing this longer than he has. But because he's a man, he can ask for more money. I don't know why that is. Yeah. Like, to me, it makes no difference. Like, if I go and my doctor's a female or it's a dude, like, it doesn't matter to yeah. me. Like, I don't care. I'm like, honestly, most of the time, like, I'd rather prefer a female, I think, mm -hmm. than a dude. Just... And not to say this is everybody, but it really, I've seen it a lot since he's, you know, I've started working with him of like, wow, okay, there really is. I wasn't aware of like how much of a difference there was. How do you, how do you fix that though? Like, how does that become, do you guys just keep being awesome? I mean, what's the... Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate thing is I feel like I have to prove myself. So with me, they're like you know, they're like, oh, okay. Like you have to prove yourself in order for you, you to sell us. Whereas with him, he'll, they'll be sold. And then he doesn't have to prove himself until after the fact. So it's kind of like this reverse, you know, situation going on with that. So it's like, I have to work that much harder to prove that I can do the same thing that he could. That's so backwards to me. Like I don't live in that space. My wife will talk about it. And I'm like, it's hard for me to understand. Cause like my brain doesn't work that way. Like obviously I've had a you know, a female work for me for eight years mm -hmm. and she's like my right hand of anything. And yeah. it, I would prefer it. Well, and your wife's in the hotel industry, which is like, you know, old boys club. Like it's a, it's yeah. a very, cause I have a lot of, you know, advertising clients and stuff in that space. And it's, it's very, you know, old school in that, that world. So it, when you work and do like your business coaching, and if you happen to have like females who come into the space, do you guys talk about that at all? Or just kind of like, Hey, here's what I've seen. Here's what the game is. You might have to do, you know, more shit than a dude or you just don't really touch you on know, it. That actually hasn't come up now that you mentioned that. Um, but I feel like a lot of the, um, women that I've worked with, they are in a space where they're working with other women. So I just feel like it maybe just hasn't been something that's come up. Um, but yeah, it's just a weird thing. I can't imagine like we're obviously like I always look at like progress and I can focus on negative stuff all day like anybody else. Obviously, you've we've come a long way, but I don't understand a reason like why a dude would be paid more than a female for doing the same role or the same job. Well, and I don't know that these people are necessarily even intentionally doing this. <laughs> I think it's just there's something in their subconscious that this is their you know reaction because of some way that they've you know grown up or something they've been around that, you know, by default, this is, you know, how they react to something. I think so. Probably generational. And I think as time goes on, it, it will change for sure as mm -hmm. the older people die off, I guess, yeah. if, if you will. <laughs> um, so if we're on that note, kind of the biggest mistakes you see, uh, maybe young entrepreneurs or business owners make overall, maybe people you work with or things that you've seen, or maybe it's industry specific, who knows? Um, well, I think kind of focusing on the wrong things, kind of like what you touched on earlier of focusing on the likes and the, you know, how many views and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, there's, um, you know, the quality over quantity and really focusing on like, what are the like important things? Um, I, I see that a lot. So there's more of this, like, they're more worried about the perception than what's actually occurring. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, uh, we always talk about the depth versus the width mm -hmm. of the audience. Now you might have a huge net and it might be a hundred thousand people, but if 
none of them believe in you, you haven't created a relationship or there's not a real community there, it's not worth much. And then same note, if you have a thousand people who like love all your shit and like are diehard for you, mm-hmm. to me, that's worth way more. But again, we look at the, it's, I don't, people are going to kill me because I always use these examples. It's like when you see someone driving down the road, like in a Mercedes and you're like, oh, that dude's crushing it, even though it's a thousand dollar lease and he's broke as fuck. Mm-hmm. And then you see the guy driving down the street is a multimillionaire in an accord and you're like, oh, that dude's a loser yeah. yet. He's really crushing it. Reality and what the internet shows is not always the same thing, right? which is kind of nuts. Um, so if we're talking about mistakes, is there the biggest mistakes like you've made maybe on this journey? Um, well, like I said, I mean, obviously going self-employed the way I did was a, you know, wish I could have done things differently there and not have had it be such a, um, difficult journey and wish I would have done things, you know, been more financially responsible, um, in that sense. So is so. there like a, a bad investment you ever made and that we're like, you know what, I maybe shouldn't have bought that then or waited or not bought it at all. I mean, even just, you know, buying a brand new car that, you know, I could have gotten something else that was maybe half, half the price of, you know. Um, or but you wanted to be too fancy too early. Yes, exactly. Is that right? What yep. did you, what was your first fancy car you bought? Well, so what's funny is, uh, you know, my, it was like a Jetta, but it was still like, you know, 500 bucks a month for like a Jetta. And it was like, what, what, why? Yeah. <laughs> but it was like the new Jetta and had all the fancy bells and whistles and, you know, and it was like, did I really need that? Like, um, but no, my actual first luxury car though, I bought for very, it was less expensive than my um, Jetta because I went and shopped around and was frugal and got a really good deal on a used one. And, um, and so, you know, I'm just so much smarter and wiser now in in the way I do things. That comes with age. It does. And that's the thing is, you know, I always was like, Oh gosh, I don't want to get older. And like, now that I'm here, I'm like, gosh, I wish I had all this knowledge back then, but it's like, you can't have it until you go through it. So no, the only benefit of like, you know, what we do in this space, um, being in person with these people. And sometimes we see these people three, four, five, six days a week. You get this like secondary education and doing the podcast has helped a ton. But early on when I'm meeting these guys who are, you know, my age now or even older and I'm 27 training a guy who's 48, who's worth $300 million, you get to hear the things he did wrong and the things he did right. And you get to hear it on this very raw level because you're you're their friend, but you're not in their friend circle mm-hmm. and you're not in their family circle. So they know you're not going to talk shit about them. Right. And so I get to hear all these things as a young kid. I'm like, okay, well, he says, don't do that, but do this. I'm like, okay, well, I'm an idiot. So I'm just going to do what he says. And then it ends up working out. But for a lot of people, they don't get that chance at a, at a young age. So you just have to kind of take the losses mm-hmm. as you do. Is there like a best investment you ever made? Maybe it's whether it be you know, real estate or the stock market or like a business course or like your business coach or a mastermind group or something in that area where you're like, you know what, it cost me this, but the ROI was, you know, 10x of that. Um, the business coach, actually, I was pretty like resistant against that for a long time. And especially being, an, you know, an entrepreneur by yourself that you, you know, for the longest time, it was just me and you have nobody to bounce ideas off of or hold you accountable or talk to about things. Um, that was something that I really wish I would have invested in sooner. How long um, did you go before you had a, like any help on the business side? Um, as far as like staff or as far like as a, like coach? a coach? Yeah. Um, well, so I, my friend kind of 
my friend Alenka was the one that kind of pushed me to launch Fabulous Wisconsin because I was like, I sat on that for a year before I launched it, and she finally was like, "Fucking go do it." Because like, you buy all um, the you buy all the domains. Yeah, I bought all the domains, so it was like, okay, I've got. Well, actually, at that point, I hadn't. I just bought Wisconsin, and it was just like, I don't know if this is gonna work. Like, let's you know see what happens. But I sat on it for a year. I had the, the Instagram launched. I had the, the domain, and I sat on it. And she was like, "Just fucking go do it." Like, what? Are, and I was like, "Well, I don't know about this, or how is this gonna work, or what? How do I do that?" She was like. Fucking go figure it out. Just go get in the car, get up there and just do it and figure it out. And sure enough, you know, so she's, she is a business coach. She wasn't my business coach. She was a friend at the time, but she kind of, you know, gave me the kick in the rear end to go, go do it. Um, but I didn't actually hire an actual business coach until just this last, I think it was May. Um, and since I've hired him, my team has almost doubled. Um, my revenue has almost doubled and I, feel like I've kind of stepped into like the boss role, if you will. Yeah. Um, so it's literally made such a, a difference for me as far as, you know, feeling like I'm building a real business. <laughs> well, it's tough too. Cause like, if you ever read uh, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber, basically they talk about you play three roles when you start, like you're the technician, you're the manager and you're the owner and you'll always wear some of the hats some of the time, but you can't wear all of the hats. All the, time. all the time yeah and so when you guys talk is there anything like specific you drill down on so like i've been part of uh mastermind groups for you know years on and off and a lot of times i did it for maybe the accountability because i know what to do mm -hmm. this business is not complex um now some of the stuff we do now maybe but it's it's p l it's you know leads and conversions it's pretty fucking simple and for the accountability it was helpful but to meet the other people um, I have friends in there that I, I work with to this day that run great businesses and I learned a lot. We kind of big borrow and steal from each other, which mm -hmm. is helpful, but just to have somebody, you know, hold you accountable. Like how many leads did you get this month? How many people converted? What's the goal here? What is your ideal business and what does your ideal life look like in the future? What do you guys kind of talk about? Or do you we meet like weekly, monthly? How does so it work? we do weekly um, Zoom calls. He's in New Jersey. So um, so we do weekly FaceTime Zoom calls and then, you know, he'll recap it. And it's kind of like, okay, this is what, you know, we're going to follow up on again next week. So it does make you ho hold you accountable in the sense that you're like, okay, this is going to come back at me next week. I better have this done. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me was you get as a, you know, business owner that's, you know, working at the smaller scale here, you get so caught up in the weeds every day that you're just, you don't take the time to step out of the business and like, look at it, you know, and from the outside in. And so that meeting with him every week gives me that opportunity to pull me out of it and look at the bigger picture as opposed to just, you know, keeping my head above water every day. So that makes sense. It's a lot of, we always say, if you want to take it in the life context, so you get so busy working in your life, you don't get a chance to work on your life. Yeah. And that's what your business Same is Same thing too. with the business. Yeah. You work in the business, but you're not working on, on the, business. the business. And so, yeah, so he's really helped me with a lot of mindset stuff too. Like I said, I was really struggling with, um, the fact that, I mean, that I was the boss, like, and he's like, I was like, no, you know, this, we're, we're a team, like, and which is nice. I mean, it's great to treat everybody like they're part of the team, but at the same time, it's like, he's like, you know, you can't all be the team. Like somebody has to be the leader. And so you need to step into that leadership role. Um, you're doing them a disservice by not being the boss. Um, you know, and so that was kind of something that I really had to step into and wrap my head around. I mean, it's a difference if you sign the front of the checks versus the back of the checks. Mm -hmm. Like that is a different role and most people aren't comfortable with it. Uh, we always use the language here. 
they work with me. Mm-hmm. They don't work for me. Um, but even with that said, they're great and I can leave and things can run and they're fine, but I don't make a mistake of un- thinking like, Hey, if I left for a year, this thing would fold like a lawn chair. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, you're the machine that drives it right. and you always will be. And sometimes you need somebody else to tell you from the outside, like, Hey dude, um, you are the boss. Like yep. you're in charge of everything. Um, would you say to somebody who's, you know, hesitant to do that in the entrepreneurial space, like it's worth the money? Yes. Um, Depending on who you well, are. Well, there's two pieces there. One, you got to make sure it's the right business coach. True. Um, because there are a lot of people that, you know, everybody's a business coach this day. Just uh, like dude, everybody is, sh- everybody's an entrepreneur. Shady as fuck, um, Yeah. So I have definitely have had friends that they have like spent 10 grand on a business coach and basically got nothing. And so um, definitely do your homework. I recommend that. Um, I highly recommend interviewing like multiple people. And, you know, because most business coaches will give you an opportunity to like, you know, do a 15 minute, 30 minute call to kind of like interview them to decide if it's like the right fit. So definitely do your homework interview. The other thing though, is if you're not really, really willing to commit and do the work, there's no one in the world that's going to help you. So like if you are going to hire, if you're going to put the money into a business coach, you better do what they they tell you to do. Um, And that's been, you know, one of the things with my business coach, he's like, I've never had a client that like we talk about something and then literally by the next call it's done. Like I've never seen any client move that fast, but I'm like, Hey, if we're doing this, we're doing this. Like I'm, I'm fully committed here, but it's like, if you're not going to actually do the work and then you're going to be like, Oh, well this business coach sucks. Well, it's like, well you have to like, he can't do the work for you. (laughs) So no. And I think that's, that's like fitness. Mm -hmm. We can help these guys, but I, I don't do it for them. You can't uh, make their meals at home. No. And <laughs> they have to do the workouts. Yeah. They have to eat the food. They have to eat the sleep. Now, we give them the tools to be successful. And I think a lot of times people think business coaches are going to give you these secrets that nobody else no. knows. It's not that. I go, they can put you in a position to be successful, but you still have to execute. Yeah. And I would say to echo that, find someone who matches like the personality type that you want to be around and be like. And mm-hmm. this is not a knock at anybody. There's a lot of them out there, even in our space. Uh, these guys, they'll show like themselves in front of some ridiculous mansion and like, you know, four Ferraris. Yeah. A, that shit is fake as fuck. But mm-hmm. two, that's not cool to me. No. That's not how I grew up. I couldn't imagine, like, I can't remember, like, it's Minnesota, Wisconsin. It's not like you see a Mercedes every day, at least yeah. where I grew up. Not where I grew up either. <laughs> now, here, here, a Mercedes is like a Ford Taurus. Right. It's, it's basic. <laughs> you know, but that's yeah. like, so my personality type, that doesn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. I want a guy who's like just your basic down-to-earth dude, maybe drives a pickup truck or maybe whatever, but he's just a normal guy mm-hmm. who's helped people with a track record of building successful businesses. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about the scamming thing, and this is not a, a knock on Tony Robbins or it's not a scam, but I remember being... I got this ticket to unleash the power within from one of the doctors uh, that we work with. And it was like super close, like Oprah's, you know, 10 seats away. Like, so you're like in, in the shit. It's like a $5,000 ticket. I would never pay that, but they gave it to us. Mm-hmm. And the guy sitting next to me is like thinking about real estate or like a real estate type business. And they're kind of upselling there at the events. It's a great business model. Once you're in the ecosystem, they get people jacked up to like make changes and like, and to buy shit. I, the psychology of it and the physiology that they, they take control of people in that setting is is really impressive. And the guy next to me is like, uh, interested in the business coaching from like the Tony Robbins team or whatever. Cause you're not talking to Tony, bro. No, (laughs) I think his, I think his rate is a million bucks 
to do it. And there's like a wait list of like two years. Wow. And he's talking about doing like this business coaching with the team. And I think it was like $10,000 or something. He's like, what do you think? I've been sitting next to the guy for three days. And I'm like, bro, you don't know what the hell you're doing. I'm like, you're not at this stage. And I, there's way better options for way less Mm -hmm. that you could use. So to your point, like vet them as best you can. And there might be different people for different stages, uh, you know, as you grow. So I think that that's important too. But also speaking to your point of like the type of person that you want to be working with, um, you know, like my coach is kind of more, a little more mindset focused. And like, we talk a lot about like, you know, gratitude and, and mindset. Whereas like for someone else that might not be something that they, you know, resonate with. So, you know, I think it's, you got to find somebody that's, that you feel good about and are actually going to be motivated to do the things that you're talking about. When you have to believe in them, because mm-hmm. if you don't, then it's like, why are you there? And like, oh, this guy sucks, but I'm still paying him. I'm like, yeah. well, it's not rocket science, but it is helpful to have somebody to bounce ideas off of for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to forget this before we get you out of here. Uh, the charity work you do, um, you do different charity work for various types of places. Like, what do you guys, what are you into? Um, so, well, I, you know, I used to be on boards of a bunch of different, you know, ones and it was like str- spreading myself too thin. So now I try to like, you know help various businesses however I can. So whether that be, so like this, a uh, couple of years ago, we launched the nonprofit or the philanthropy section on the website on Fabulous Arizona so that we can start highlighting. Um, we do a nonprofit of the month where we highlight different nonprofits and, you know, showcase what they're doing. Um, you know, so trying to utilize the platform that I have to showcase these things. Um, some of the or- other organizations that I work with are um, like doing um, food drives and working with, um, toy drives and stuff like that. Cause I grew up very poor. So as somebody I'm that, familiar. yeah. So as somebody that, you know, utilized some of those services growing up, um, it feels really good to be able to like have that opportunity to give back, um, you know, at these food banks and that sort of thing. So, um, so these are things that are kind of my passions to help, but, um, I also work with my friend, um, who does homes for good. And so, what is that? Um, so basically they, um, you know, raise money. So aside from just, you know, selling houses, it's kind of like, okay, well with every house that we sell, why don't we take like a portion of that and donate it to, you know, a portion of the, um, you know, commission. Whole, yeah. Yeah. Um, to, you know, a charity and, and, you know, um, so obviously homes for good, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, selling homes for good. Um, so, uh, you know, last year we did, um, we picked four different charities that, you know, they basically split the, the amount amongst the four charities, which I really liked that because it was like, I didn't have to pick just one, you know, place to help. We got to help four different charities. So, um, so I was just on the board, obviously I don't sell homes, (laughs) um, but I was able to, you know, kind of be that media partner for the, you know, for the organization. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I, I do what I can obviously with, you know, the website, we try to like promote different charitable events and stuff on there too. Um, but yeah, anytime I can get in and get my hands dirty too, is always great. No, it's a cool thing. Uh, we're huge fans of it. Like we do the, uh, like obviously like every year, like the St. Mary's food bank, they need it all the time. So just, and we have a physical location so people can drop stuff here. Yeah. Uh, but like the adoptive families like through St. Vincent's to Paul, just cause like when you can buy the stuff and you actually give it to them like on Christmas, on Thanksgiving, you're like, mm-hmm. oh shit. Like for perspective, it's like you get wrapped up, I think. And I, I'm tying this into social media cause like we sit and watch like, all the things that everybody has and all the stuff and like the cars, the homes, the businesses, everybody's always winning, but that's not reality for most people. And so for us to actually get into it and like deliver things, I do think is super cool. And I know you did a lot of stuff with that, which I do think is pretty badass too. Um, If you have some tips for anybody who's listening, who maybe they're looking to go out on their own, um, 
they want to be an entrepreneur, they want to start their own business, or maybe it's just a side hustle at first. Is there any like parting words of wisdom for these these kids out there? Like, how would you go about it today if you had to redo it the same way? Or if you're you, but you're 26 today? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, again, authenticity, passion, like don't pick something because you think, oh, I can make a lot of money on this. Like that's not, that's not going to be sustainable. It's not something that you're going to, you know, if things get tough and you're like, I don't really love this, but you'll, I'm doing it because I think, yeah, you're going to, you're not going to be able to push through. I mean, being an entrepreneur is hard. Um, it's, you know, again, you don't have anyone else to blame. If things don't work out, it's all on you. So there are going to be days that you're going to be like, God, I don't want to work another 15 hour day today, but you got to do it. So it better be something that you're really, really passionate about. And the other thing is, is, you know, when I sit down with people, um, they can see my passion. They see how genuinely, um, I love what I do. And so it makes a sale so much easier. They're buying into what I'm selling because I really genuinely believe in it and love it. So, um, so I think it just makes your job that much easier if you do are doing something that you really love. So I would say 100% have to pick something that you love and are passionate about. And that you like, you enjoy doing it and it's not just money focused. Like obviously we make money. It's part of the game. Right. But I say this all the time, like I'd rather work for myself making $40,000 a year than work for, you know, like lifetime fitness making 400. Yeah. But that's me. And I know some other people, if the answer is you would do the inverse and you'd rather work for the money, I'm like, that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with it. But that means you're probably not going to be in it for your own shit. Just for the fact, I mean that not you can't get to 400 or make $5 million a year, but you'll quit way before you gain any traction. Yeah. Or whatever plays out. And there's, I mean, people think that because I'm an entrepreneur that I think everybody should be an entrepreneur. And I do not think that at all whatsoever. I think that if, you know, you're happy, I think the the goal is to be happy. So if, you know, you're happy working nine to five and having your benefits and your secure paycheck and you love that you get to turn off at 5 p.m. and not think about that, like, good for you. Like, I'm just not programmed that way. I, you know, was, when I was working nine to five jobs and I get yelled at for checking emails after hours, like, I just it's not how I'm programmed. Um, but if that's something that makes you happy and you love having like your weekends off, like go do that. Like, that's great. Like, um, so I think just really, you know, being realistic about like what it is that you want in life, because you know, if you're going to go out on your own, it's gonna be many, many years before you get to have those weekends back. (laughs) Well, and your personality type too, right? Like I don't need to be in, you know, fantasy football leagues and have a bunch of free time. Like I don't give a shit mm-hmm. about most normal people stuff. Like I'm a serial killer. Like that's just a reality. Like I'm a robot. I don't care. I'm here <laughs> to do this and that's my thing. Yeah. And for most people, I think that would steal so much happiness from them. Yeah. If they had to give up all the things that I have given up over the years. Now there's a point where I drive myself crazy too. I go, but that's my own prison. Well, and I have friends that are like, Oh gosh, Cynthia, you really need to like have more balance. And I'm like, but this makes me happy. <laughs> like I love like working on a Saturday. Like that, that brings me joy. <laughs> so, you know, and that's where, you know, kind of like you're saying, if, if you're going to be miserable, like not having your Saturdays, like maybe this isn't the route for you. No. And I think about it where it's hard, and obviously, you're if you're dating someone, and if you guys get married or whatever, they are going to have to understand how crazy you are. Yeah. Because my <laughs> wife, I mean, I'm sure there's times where she still wants to just fucking murder me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like um, this is a Friday afternoon, and you and I are sitting here. I'll be here Sunday too, but I want to do it. Right. Like exactly. I learned more in this, you know, hour and a half doing this than I would 
watching, you know, whatever on Netflix. Yep. I don't give a shit about that. I'd rather write a, a blog or create a program that's going to help someone because that's selfishly my oxygen. Yeah. Where most people is, well, I want to sit at the bar and watch the game and get fucked up. And that's super cool too. I just have no interest in that. Right. And that's where I would tell anybody just audit yourself. Yeah. Be, be realistic and self-aware of like, you know, what you're, what you want to be doing. So of all the things, like, why do you pick this? You can do anything in the world. You could do any job. You could do anything. Like, how did this become the thing? Well, like that internship, you know, like I said, I... And I, you just figured out, like, either A, you're good at it or you like it or both? Both. And like I said, it, it fueled that because I actually debated between um, doing business or psychology because I loved psychology. And so this fed that kind of, like, the consumer behavior aspect of digital marketing fed that, like, psychology aspect that I love. I like that. And what, um, where does it go from here? Do you have any idea, any plan, or do you just kind of like just take it day to day? Oh, there's a plan. Yeah. <laughs> there's an exit strategy here. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the plan is, you know, big building this up to something that, you know, someday I can sell. So, so there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel of working many, many hours, but. And let's say you sold them in five years, like, you, you know, you parted them off or, or sold percentages of them, mm -hmm. you know, where, what do you do from that standpoint? Your personal brand is always yours, obviously. Right. Is there something you want to do with that? Um, I imagine just because of my personality that I will just, I'll probably find something else to do, like throw myself back into again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to think, oh, I'll retire or relax a little bit, but no, I will probably, you know, just take that money and invest it back into something else. It's, um, I joke with my wife a ton because we'd always say, you know, I'll be established by 35 and retire by 40. And as I, um, I get closer to it, like certain things are way more realistic now. And I have said a lot of crazy shit over the years and all of them have come true. So maybe I just shoot too low at times. <laughs> and, uh, I would joke with her. I go, there'll come a day where I don't wake up at four in the morning mm -hmm. and, uh, you will wake up and you'll go to work every day and I'll just be drinking white claws, playing golf. And those are two <laughs> things that seem disgusting and I would never want to do, but that's kind of like my default. And to your point, I don't know. I would just, I want to do things that are just fun. Yeah. And obviously I'd like to, you know, have them make revenue, um, in a roundabout way, but I like to do things that I just, I don't think suck that yeah. I look forward to. And I think that's what I would tell anybody should, that should be your goal. Like, obviously we live in an economic world and you guys need money, but if you can enjoy your day-to-day -day life, you're better off than I think like 90% of people. Well, and I think the goal is freedom, not money necessarily. So the freedom to get to do what you want to do. And whatever that is for you. Yeah. If you need to drive a Ferrari, obviously you need more money. Um, for me, it's just the flexibility that I could pick up and move and bounce and do anything at any time and have the fluidity to do that. It's worth everything to me. Mm -hmm. Like I would work a hundred hours by myself to be able to wear this to work and say whatever the fuck I want when I want. <laughs> like there's no, yeah. there's no price you can put on that for me. And for some people it's obviously different. So mm -hmm. just knowing who you are. Yep. Uh, this is good stuff, dude. I dig this. Where, um, where can these guys uh, find you at? Well, fabulousarizona.com here locally. Um, fabulousmediagroup.com is where you'll find like a listing of all the different states. We just launched Nevada actually so um, a few weeks ago. What so. states do you have right now? So we currently have Washington, California, Nevada, Arizona, obviously, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Nice. So we've yeah. got six continuing. It'll continue to grow. So um, fabulousmediagroup.com is where you can kind of find all the states we currently are, and then you can click into each one. Um, and then my, you know, personal uh, Instagram is Cynthia Sassy. And what, um, what do you share on your own stuff? Just kind of like your life? 
Um, yeah, also uh, doing some like business stuff, um, you know, kind of advice about, you know, business things or, um, you know, my dogs a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. Um, but yeah, I actually have been p- putting more of an emphasis on kind of trying to share more um, of my business journey and, you know, kind of learning from hopefully people can learn from things that I've, you know, done well or wrong or whatever. <laughs> and if uh, if people DM you, do you reply to those? Oh, I do. Yes. So then they know it's you. On my personal, yes, it's me. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> I'm like, on my other accounts, people think they're talking to me and it's not me. And then they're like, my, my employees are like, Cynthia, who's this person? <laughs> and I'm like, oh boy. Um, well, it's, you have so many. Yeah. It's impossible to do. Yeah. But so if you reach out, um, I'll put all your stuff in the show notes. If you guys reach out, obviously don't be creepy. Just be, <laughs> just be cool. Yeah. Um, it's a world we live in for sure. Um, I dig this, dude. This is good stuff. Um, anything else? I think that's it. We're well, golden, thanks man. for having me. Yeah, dude, this is great. Um, again, if you guys have uh, questions and stuff, I'll, I'll throw her stuff in the show notes. If it's, you know, you're going to start your own business or entrepreneurial stuff, or maybe you're local and uh, you need someone uh, to kind of look at your social media stuff, um, this would be a great resource for sure. Um, other than that, yeah, uh, our 30 for 30 program's kicking off here shortly. If you guys got questions, reach out. Obviously, all the sponsors are in the show notes as well. Um, Cynthia, this is dope. I thank you. I appreciate your time. And uh, all of you guys, uh, I'll be back on Sunday, and that will be a banger as well. But if you need something, always just reach out. Um, And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.